Welcome to the Focus on Why podcast. I'm Amy Rowlandson and I ask my guests one simple question, why? Focusing on the importance of why, I share with you the relatable, uplifting and inspiring conversations I have with people from all walks of life. This podcast will encourage you to focus on your why to enable and empower you to achieve the success you desire. Have a purpose, have a plan, focus on why. Before we start, I would like to draw your attention to what I can offer you as a master coach. I can help you to focus on your why with clarity, uniting your passion with your purpose with a plan to create the life you truly desire. Book a free 20 minute coaching call right now via calendly.com forward slash Amy Rowlandson forward slash call and we can take it from there. Hello, welcome. I hope you're well. Here we are almost at the end of 2022 and the 50th Reflections with Actions episode. Whoop, whoop. Celebrate that milestone, Amy. Still can't believe that I've released 316 episodes since the 30th of April 2020. It only seems like yesterday that I had the idea for the podcast. Anyhow, if you're new to the show, allow me to briefly explain what Focus on Why is all about and how these episodes work. I interview people from all walks of life and I ask them to share their unique perspectives with me. With a focus on purpose, we discuss why they do what they do and why they are who they are. The intention is to shine a light on all the incredible purpose-driven people of the world and the work they are achieving to inspire, uplift and engage you into leading a purpose-centric life. After five episodes, I reflect on the conversations in a solo episode and share with you what I have observed and what actions they have led me to take, what research or further reading it has encouraged me to do, what people or topics I've looked into at more depth, what books I might have been recommended to read and gone on to read, what questions I may ask myself. The actions will always vary and it is what makes this show so diverse. But before I dive in, I just want to take a moment to pause here to celebrate achievement, contribution and fulfilment. I'm writing a book on life purpose and talking it through with a couple of other book buddies. The topic of contribution came up as being a key driver for my work as a life purpose coach and podcaster. What does contribution mean in today's purpose driven world? Contribution is a concept that comes up time and time again in regards to purposeful living. In this context, it is how you make a contribution in some meaningful way to society through the act of giving or supplying something, bringing about a positive result or helping something or someone to advance. Do you value your contribution and are you valued for your contribution? It's more than just what you do at work. It's how your passion, purpose, skills, knowledge and energy are all applied for the greater good. When you focus on your contribution, you shift the emphasis of your work to show up differently, knowing that you are not simply doing your job, but you're helping work towards the collective vision and mission of a business's purpose. It was Robert Byrne who said that the purpose of life is a life of purpose. Purpose is something that you choose to contribute towards in the world, which is bigger than just you. It's about how you bring your uniqueness in what you can offer to the world. When you get to the end of your life, you want to know that you made a positive contribution to others. It doesn't matter how big or small, simply knowing that you have contributed in some way, leaving the world a greater place, a better place than how you find it, will comfort you with a feeling of great fulfillment. I believe there are three different ways in how you can channel your contribution. 
What is to champion a cause or a charity, something that you stand for or perhaps stand against? In this route, you channel your energy, time and resources into a cause that matters most to you. Another way you can contribute is to correct something by making it better, faster, stronger, more efficient. Whatever it is you focus on becomes better for others as a result of your contribution. And the third approach to contribution is to help others in your area of expertise through clarification. Whatever it is that you have mastered, you share your mastery with the world to help others to clarify something that they're puzzled with or stuck with. So champion, correct or clarify. Three ways for you to focus on your contribution whilst being purpose driven. You hold a unique perspective in life, which means you have a different contribution to offer than anyone else. This is how you make a difference. This is your gift to the world. In episode 229, Your Authentic Path with Kate Trafford, she said, as you strive to contribute, you grow as a person. The more you grow, the more you contribute. The more you contribute, the more you grow. Many other guests on the Focus on My podcast have shared the importance of contribution in their lives, including Nadine Hack, Adrian Brown, Lauren Chiron, Aggie Karamidas, Nick Bradley, Claire Richmond, David Roberts, Jackie Handy and Paul Avens, to name a few. Check out how they have channeled their contribution in their unique approach in their episodes. So how could you make a more focused contribution, either personally or professionally or both? Choose how you champion, correct or clarify problems that exist in the world. Channel your contribution today. Focus on contribution. Okay, now let's dive into my first reflection of episode 311, Pure Conversation with James Dean. We both met back in June when I was delivering a talk about the power of podcasting to PSA Island, that's a professional speaking association. And James reached out to me afterwards, asking me if I would be a guest on his show. We decided we'd do a pod swap where we interview one another on our respective shows. What's important to you? This is a question that life coach and podcaster James Dean has now made his mission to ask as many people as possible on his own podcast. James feels that once you know what's important, you can then design and build a life with purpose and meaning and ultimately be yourself. With his guests and coaching clients, this purposeful question also creates pure conversation. Now I've got three reflections, three key reflections from this episode. My first question is, what's important to you? The second is, what is pure conversation? And the third is linked to something James said, which is that he just wanted to be himself. I'm not going to explore the first question, what's important to you, because I spoke about it in depth in my last Reflections episode 310. So go back and listen to what I have shared already. Ultimately, it's such an important question. It's what matters most to you. And knowing the answer to this question will help you to live a life of fulfillment through your contribution. So let's look at the second element, pure conversation. Again, this is not unfamiliar territory, as I've spoken about the importance of listening and being heard within conversation before. However, everyone has a different perspective. So I asked James what he meant by pure conversation. He said it was about being able to think freely and to speak freely and to listen without judgment, showing genuine interest in what the other person is saying, where they're able to open up, where you've no idea what they're going to say. Pure conversation is where you listen, reflect back, ask questions and are genuinely curious about what the other person thinks and says. When it's described like this, you'd think, well, that's just a normal conversation, isn't it? But is it? 
How often are you speaking with someone and you feel that they are just waiting for an opportunity to jump in and share what they're thinking or switch the topic to something else or that they're only even half listening? Pure conversation is about forming a deep conversation between you and another person. It's about not having any other agenda than being in the moment, totally present to one another. It is a skill that requires practice and patience. As a life coach and podcaster, being present to hold a space and to listen to people is what's most important. James said at the age of 26, he had not heard of a life coach before and was fascinated by what they brought to the table. He admitted that he had imposter syndrome, thinking that he was too young to be a life coach, wondering who would listen to him. And it took him a further 10 years before he got rid of that limiting belief. Being a life coach doesn't require you to have lived a long life first. Much as that would be interesting and important if you were to be a mentor, being a great coach is about being able to ask great questions, which instigate great answers for the individual being coached. It's not about you or your life. It's about the client and their life. It's about being a great listener. It's about being able to hold space for an individual to work out what's important to them. It's giving them the space to think, to speak and to know, to understand how to be. Now, this brings me to my third reflection of when James said, I just want to be myself. Looking at the verb to be as opposed to do or to have. There can be a confusion in defining yourself by your doing and having and not your being. There are, of course, overlaps between the three areas. It is something that I observe often in my clients and guests on the show. Successes and actions and possessions are deemed to be the measure of success and fulfillment in life. And yet there needs to be more to be truly fulfilled. Be, do, have is a coaching model that really works. Each brings an important aspect to the whole. All three are needed if you want to achieve a goal. However, the B part is critical to remaining authentic to you. B is the catalyst, the origin. The B is who you need to be to make what it is you want to happen. The have element is what you want to attain and the do is what you need to act upon to make it happen. Don't fall into the trap of thinking when I do this or have this, then I will be this. The being is the foundation for your thinking, your feeling and your doing. Often what you seek in life is not materialistic. It is a state of being. You don't necessarily need to achieve something to feel that. You can embody this state of being to experience the feeling anytime. Try it now. What do you want to achieve? What is it that this goal will bring you in terms of a feeling? Is it freedom, joy, abundance, love, fulfillment? Embody that feeling and now you are simply being. This is being yourself. Now, from this state of being, you can think about the actions you will take. As a life purpose coach, I help my clients to work out their life purpose, that state of being first. The others come later. First, simply be. Be fulfilled. Be joy. Be peaceful. Be kind. Be loving. Be abundant. Be content. Be connected. Be powerful. From this place of being, the doing, having, thinking will all naturally come. I'll ask you the question that started this conversation. What's important to you? Remember, what's important to you starts with being. Next up is episode 312, Build with Purpose with Karen Skidmore. Business mentor, strategist and author, Karen has now been running various businesses for 18 years and understands how to build sustainable momentum in business. How much white space is in your diary? Fire breaks prevent burnout. 
but how often do you take them? For Karen, white space and fire breaks in business and life are essential. Motivated by people potential, Karen focuses the time that she has left on the planet to contribute economically and commercially to help people to build with purpose. She says that there's a real danger, particularly when there are those of us who are interested in living life on purpose, that we really do fill our weeks. People who are successful attract other people who want a piece of them, so it can get really crazy. Having white space in my diary, time where I haven't got appointments, is where I can actually have that quiet time. I really resonated with the concept of white space in my diary. And after reflecting on this conversation, my action was to go straight to my Calendly link and delete half of my availability. I recognised that this is what I needed to do to give myself those essential fire breaks to ensure that I don't burn out. My reflections with actions from Karen's episode has been entirely focused on fire, light, energy and space. I now have a scented candle on my desk that I light when I'm working. It's incredible how the combination of scent and fire add powerful dimensions to a working environment. Like me, you might have only used candles at home to create a mood for entertaining guests or a romantic setting. However, have you tried it in your working environment? Oh my goodness, it works wonders. Karen said that the very act of lighting a candle helps me get out of my head and connect to my heart and my intuition and my gut and the brains that operate below our shoulders because our logic brain is very powerful. But it's not the only brain that we have in our bodies. We have a very, very powerful heart brain. We have a very, very powerful gut brain. Sense stimulates your brain, giving you mental and physical energy, thus boosting your productivity with different scents, working better for creativity, for focus, or to help you to de-stress. Go on, give it a go. Light a scented candle. However, here's my warning. Never leave a lit candle unattended. Karen talked about purpose in two ways, with a small P and a big P. Her small P consisted of her clear vision, her purposeful, well-thought-out plan, her reason for doing a good job and giving value. Her big P is what she is doing over and above making money, her bigger purpose, her reason for getting out of bed when she's having a really bad week. It's the economic potential of women in midlife with menopause. When Karen sees potential, she gets excited. Karen said, if there's a purpose with a capital P, it allows me to go, okay, get on with it. It's just a problem that needs solving. There's something bigger out there that actually needs your attention. Move on. Purpose for me is an important part of what I do. Karen is involved with The Hunger Project, a charity founded in 1977, which is not a hands-out charity. It's hands-up. Beautifully aligned with her values, she's able to support women in their communities to become more stable and to invest in their potential. The positive ripple effects are phenomenal. It's all about impact and momentum, energy and drive. It's about purpose and to enact on her purpose. Karen needs that white space in her diary. She needs to have fire breaks in place. To do this, Karen focuses on her health and well-being to be sustainable, to harness natural energy, to thrive, to help others to thrive. Karen is living life on purpose. We spoke about legacy and Karen got emotional when I asked her about this. She said that she wants people to know and believe that she did her best. That's all she can hope for. Karen is living her legacy now. She is seeing the fire she has lit. The work she is doing is having incredible ripple effects right now. 
She is a catalytic spark that has lit the fire whilst also protecting herself and others with her clear boundaries of those fire breaks. She knows when to take things slower to get results. By taking time out and by slowing her thinking, she says that she gets faster results. Less is more in this case, as it often is. We spoke of the busyness trap that many people fall into, the need to fill the diary to capacity thinking that it's a measure of success. Karen said that despite it sounding counterintuitive, slowing down really is the new speeding up because you get to see the real opportunities for growth and the real opportunities for making an impact and a bigger purpose. This message again really resonated with you, the listener, and created much discussion online. I have had many messages about what white space means to various people. For Claire Richmond, it is the approach she will take into the new year. For Linda Shaw, a reframing of white space to equal success will replace the old thinking that it was not having used her day well. That white space will now represent health, creativity and quality of life for Helen Chorley. And Lisa Brown said she will use white space for creating. Karen said that there really are no rules, that scheduling time for creating, whether that's content or ideas, is great. She does that too, particularly for stuff that has to be done. But the white space principle that she uses is really about the buffer space for the in-betweens. Brains have to have time to close down tabs and reboot, just like our laptops, she said. It's that white space is like zoning out, looking out of a window on a rainy day, going for a walk just to amble rather than to count steps. Sometimes Karen says she likes to lie flat on the floor in her extension. It's a heated floor, so it's lovely at this time of year. And on other times... It's a whole day of doing nothing. That's the time when her best ideas come to her because she gets to hear them in the nothingness, her nothingness. And Jessica Leader reinforced the concept that she is hearing more and more about people doing less and being more successful by cutting out the non-important stuff. So my question to you is, how busy are you? Are you being effective with your time? Are you being busy for busy sake? Have you fallen into the busyness trap? Remember, it often leads to burnout. So look at your diary today. How much white space is there? Could you benefit from scaling it back to clear yourself some much needed time out? Perhaps you too will light a candle in your workspace, safely of course, and see how working on your purpose will benefit you and all those around you. Next up is episode 313, Inclusive Leadership with Anita Figura. A series of microaggressions in the workplace knocked Anita's confidence and ambition. Motherhood, postnatal depression, redundancy and training to be a Samaritan all helped Anita to understand what was important to her. With a new focus of making a change in the working environment, Anita now supports leaders to change their ways of thinking, upskilling their understanding of inclusion and translating this into courageous action with the intention to embed equitable, inclusive structures to create a culture of belonging. Focusing on gender equality and fairness, Anita supports senior leaders in project management and construction companies to retain and engage women and people of colour to build inclusive teams and to upskill their inclusive leadership. My focus on this episode is to explore several tiers of the same element. Essentially to understand how remarkable you are, what contribution and achievement you seek and how this leads to fulfilment. I also want to demonstrate the power of what could be blocking you from recognising your remarkableness, the state of being remarkable or striking, your unusualness or your extraordinariness. You are remarkable. You are. 
Anita spoke of the Google initiative, hashtag I am remarkable, set up to empower women and other underrepresented women to celebrate their achievements in the workplace and beyond. They believed that it was an important issue to address and it is. They said that many of us struggle when it comes to talking about our accomplishments, which is true. Google then goes on to say that cultural and gender modesty norms, as well as imposter syndrome, can prevent anyone from acknowledging their remarkable attributes and expressing their achievements. Their goals are twofold, to improve the self-promotion, motivation and skills of women and underrepresented groups and to challenge the social perception around self-promotion. As of July 2022, they have impacted 400,000 participants across more than 1,000 organisations in over 170 countries. Impressive statistics, but what do the statistics mean in practice, I wonder? Anita is a perfect example to share what it means. For Anita, it was an emotional, cathartic experience which helped her to overcome postnatal depression and to rebuild her confidence. Her ambition returned. It was to be her light bulb revelation. She understood how her previous experiences in the workplace had not been okay, that the microaggressions that she had experienced had prevented the working environment from being inclusive and encouraging of women, particularly women of colour in leadership roles. Anita set about changing the environment to work in an area that she was really passionate about to attract and retain women in colour and to encourage inclusive leadership. By being remarkable, aligning her work with her values with what really mattered to her, Anita became a trailblazer. Focused on gender equality and fairness, she set about changing the shape of organisations, stamping out those microaggressions and calling out the cruel behaviour that had prevented her previously from succeeding. I recently heard a powerful talk on microaggressions at a professional speaking association London meeting from Andrina Leanne. Do you know what microaggressions are? They are statements, actions or incidents regarded as as instances of indirect, subtle or unintentional discriminations against members of marginalised groups such as racial or ethnic minorities. Microaggressions are often unconscious and unintentional expressions, interactions or behaviours of racism, sexism, ageism or ableism. So it is about being fully aware of your communication. Examples of a verbal microaggression would be you're so articulate you're one of the good ones, your people, where are you really from? A microaggression that has been in the news recently in the UK made by a royal aide to a black British charity worker. Microaggressions can be subtle and also be non-verbal. Maybe a white person clutching their purse or wallet as a black or Latino approaches or passes is an example of this or a store owner following a customer of colour around the store. So what can you do to prevent microaggressions? Educate yourself and be aware of your unconscious bias. Understand the microaggressive occurrences that occur day to day. Focus on allyship. Reading up on microaggressions, I have learned that it is not enough just to be an ally. Ally is a verb, not a noun. It is an action. Allyship is about doing. It's about calling it out when you hear it. Educating those who are using the microaggressions that it's not okay. As Anita said, the wheel is turning, but it is still slow. Take ownership of your corner in the world and make sure that the wheel starts to turn faster. Your actions will make a difference. Remember, you are remarkable. Be remarkable. Next up is episode 314, Peace and Light with Nadine Hack. This conversation brings a sliver of hope in the world, bringing us the peace and light that we all need and desire. 
a connector, healer and midwife who gives birth to things that didn't exist that should exist. Nadine is healing the world. Distilling lessons learned over decades about the vital importance of being connected to one's own core purpose and values and being able to connect to others more deeply. Nadine longs for, creates and sustains meaningful connections. Paving the way for others to follow, Nadine helps keep hope alive. Creating incredible ripple effects in the process, Nadine's work shines brightly and through connectedness is focused on bringing peace and light to the world. This conversation shined a light on responsible leadership, diversity, sustainability, human rights and other social issues for the 21st century business. So not anything really important then. The power of connectedness. This is what Nadine is writing about and it's the name of her book she is on her sabbatical to complete. I don't know how long it will take her as she has done so much and been witness to so much that she has so many incredible experiences to document and stories to include. I could have talked for hours with Nadine. She is a true inspiration referencing works of other inspirational people. In one or two sentences, Nadine manages to connect continents of people across decades. This is one element I want to pull out of her conversation. Mother Teresa said, the biggest problem in the world is that we draw our circle of family too small, but we can expand a sense of being inextricably interconnected as one human family through the Ubuntu idea of I am because you are. And what Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. called the beloved community or Martin Buber's I thou philosophy about showing up for each other in mutuality, honesty, transparency. When we're present as fully integrated, authentic selves, including our vulnerability, we offer others a safety to do so, which is what Brenny Brown talks about. And when we act as connectors, we provide an antidote to those who lash out against the other, at the least diminishing them, at the worst destroying, and their behaviour fosters a polarised and divisive world. Now I want to focus in on this one section of Nadine's conversation. Firstly, what does it mean and what is the impact to draw our circle of family too small? Mother Teresa believed that in thinking of us alone, we push away and divide people on the basis of religion, race and nationality. And this causes unnecessary faction. It causes war, terrorism, poverty, greed. Mother Teresa believed that the whole world was her family. She was truly inclusive and all of humanity fell inside her circle. The African philosophy of Ubuntu, I am because you are, or I am because we are, depending on the translation, essentially you need other human beings for you to learn how to be human. Your sense of self is shaped by the relationships that you have with others. The Ubuntu concept was adopted by the Archbishop Desmond Tutu in his way of life, his philosophy and his theology. And then you have the beloved community philosophy that Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. introduced a vision or dream that he would in his lifetime not see actualized, but never stopped him from striving for. A community of love, justice and solidarity, which involved integration, inclusivity and positivity. He believed in the interrelatedness of human existence so that injustice anywhere is a threat to justice everywhere. Nadine also spoke of Martin Buber, German theologian and philosopher of the 20th century who focused on how human life found its meaningfulness in relationships and relational attitudes between two beings. Finally, Nadine also brought in Brenny Brown into the conversation, speaking of her contribution of the importance of vulnerability. 
All these people brought together to illustrate beautifully the power of connectedness, how we are all inextricably interconnected and the importance of humanity working together, that the whole is always greater than the sum of its parts. Nadine mentioned her TEDx talk, which she recorded back in 2013. So my reflection with action was to go off and listen to it. Inspired by the words of Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. and honouring the privilege of working with Nelson Mandela, these two extraordinary people set Nadine on a path of connectedness to become a master bridge builder herself. Remember what I said earlier, how you are remarkable, how you are extraordinary. We are all remarkable in our own way. Nadine shows how one individual can make a difference, how one individual can change the world, how a whole lot of ordinary people doing extraordinary things become extraordinary and remarkable in their own unique way. Her story that she tells in her TEDx of how she turned adversaries into allies and how decades later they remain in allyship is incredible. She explains how Engaged relationships are not easy, that engagement requires ongoing nourishment, that life is basic shared humanity, and it is in the revealing of your humanity that what makes things possible. She watched people discover the humanity in each other and closes her TEDx with this line, if arch enemies can find a way to engage with each other, what's stopping you? A powerful reminder that our circle is too small. It needs to grow bigger. Expand your circle today. Like Nadine, work to create positive, powerful ripple effects that will last decades, maybe even centuries. Nadine offers a sliver of hope. She is passing her torch to younger generations who give her profound hope that the future of humanity is in safe hands within them. And my final reflection with action today is from episode 315, Lightbulb Moments with Diane Andrew. IVF, divorce, job loss, two house moves and a diagnosis of non-Hodgkin lymphoma each took their toll on Diane Andrew. Losing sense of who she was, Diane spent all her energy on treatment and recovery and felt exhausted. Fortunate to have a new and supportive partner, Diane found her deep inner strength and her you-can-do-this attitude. However, it was only when Diane went to see a motivational speaker that she experienced her lightbulb moment. What was this moment? Well, no spoilers here, as usual. You'll have to go and tune into the episode to find out. However, I do want to do a dive deeper into what lightbulb moments are and their impact. What have been your lightbulb moments in life? Or are you still waiting for yours to happen? Do they happen for you or to you? Do you create them or manifest them? Do you even believe that they exist? A lightbulb moment is simply a breakthrough of thinking, a moment of clarity, a sudden realisation, an enlightenment or inspiration. That's it. A metaphor attributed to the brain being lit from above for a sudden idea. Edison may have invented the lightbulb. And there is perhaps an irony in the use of the metaphor here because Edison did not simply invent a lightbulb. It took many iterations before he got there. However, the light bulb has become synonymous for one's inventive aptitude and was actually introduced to us by Felix the Cat in a cartoon form. When Felix had thoughts, they were represented with symbols and letters above his head and the light bulb was used when he had an idea. Anyway, going back to Karen Skidmore's white space concept, you're more likely to have a light bulb moment when you're in the shower, taking a walk or daydreaming, even sleeping. Your subconscious mind is always at work. So get yourself out there and get those light bulb moments. 
The other message I want to reinforce from Diane's episode is that of saying thank you and really meaning it without adding an apology or downplaying it in any way. Saying thank you from a position of confidence is a life skill that will serve you well. It is something that you have to practice to get good at for it to become a more natural part of your language. And just as I spoke of the importance of being able to say no in my last Reflections episode, so is saying thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Say it. Say it often and see what a difference it makes to you and to others. Saying thank you and accepting compliments says a lot about you. It goes a long way towards building rapport and better relationships. It helps to build trust with others. It improves your self-esteem. It makes you feel good. And the person you're thanking will feel good too. It keeps you in the present moment. It lowers stress and anxiety. Gratitude boosts serotonin and dopamine is produced. Saying thank you brings about incredible natural pleasure chemicals. So what's to lose here? Next time someone pays you a compliment, just say thank you and mean it. That's it. Let the magic happen. As I sign off today, I'd like to remind you to give the greatest gift that you have to offer to your loved ones over the holidays. I'm not speaking of gifts as in presents. I'm speaking of your presence, whether that be in person or online, for those who are not near to you. Give people the gift of your time and be present with your friends and your family. Focus on presence. Time is precious, so spend it wisely. Be present to those around you over the holidays and have a great holiday weekend. See you in 2023. How has this conversation had an impact on you? What value have you received from tuning in? What are your reflections with actions? Please take a moment to leave me an Apple podcast or Spotify review sharing how Focus on Why has made a difference to you today. Remember, the conversation doesn't end here. To keep it going, simply connect with me on LinkedIn, Instagram, Facebook or Twitter or join the Focus on Why Facebook group. All the links are in the show notes. Have a purpose, have a plan, focus on why.